Welcome to 30 Minutes with Mark. And this time around, I am going to be having a guest and her name is Kemi. Uh, she'll say her proper, proper name, but I know her as Kemi. She's an engineer by profession, a structural engineer. And we are going to have an in-depth conversation about that one as well. So sit tight. This is the first one uh, to have a guest in the show. And I hope you do enjoy it. Okay, so no worries. That is good then. I think we can start. Yes, yes, so, please. So your intro, uh, I'm already recording by the way, So, but your intro was something that goes like this, yeah? So listen to this one. Okay. So my guest today is named Kemi, and she's an engineer, a structural engineer to be specific. How okay. did I do? <laughs> Um. Yeah, it's fine. It's definitely fine. It's fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Because I said you have another name. How How is your How is your No, no, no. It's okay. Kemi is fine. My question is like, what's your audience like in terms of like telling people I'm a structural engineer versus I'm a civil engineer? Uh, I just like specifics, and I hope my audience loves specifics. Okay. Good, good. Yeah. Then we stick to your introduction. It's fine. Yeah. So. I wanted to start it at the very, very beginning, right? At um, the point where you wanted to be this civil engineer. When yeah. was that light bulb moment for you? Well, it didn't come as a light bulb. I need to tell you that as part of my truth. Yeah. Um, it was very much, pretty much influenced by my late um, grandfather, rest, may he rest in peace. Amen. Um, he was a bridge engineer, quote unquote, not the actual credentials, but he could pass as a bridge engineer. Yeah. And when I was choosing uh, my professions, you know, when it came to university life, I actually wanted to be an architect. Hmm. Why? Because I was pretty interested with the, with the idea of design and just like figuring out things from, you know, the bare earth to becoming something. It fascinated me to see buildings out of nowhere, you know, to see bridges out of nowhere. It really fascinated me. Yeah. And since I was very interested in science, in my head, I thought, well, I think I could be a good architect. And then I sat down with my grandfather before choosing and um, he... He told me, okay, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to give you the prospects, meaning what an architect actually does and what an engineer actually does, because I want you to consider being an engineer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. So he told me, he, he was like, one of the one of the examples I remember, I, I'm sure he blabbered uh, you know, on, on a lot of things, but one of the things that he, gave, he told me, he asked me, that I remember till now, is that he told me, one of the things that I know as an engineer is that I know how many nails will, would go into like a certain joint or what quantity of material would I need to sort of like make a floor or, you know, something like that. And so you need to figure out if you are into the nitty gritties or you just want to sort of like um, be creative and, and sort of like uh, put things into reality, but just in, in, a sh- in a shadow of reality, something like that. Because after most architects sort of like design things, then it comes to the engineer to figure out if this can actually work or not. Yeah, and so. Not that I was sold right away, but I think also out of um, belief that I know that he came from a really good place, I say to myself, okay, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to apply to two, um, my first two options are going to be civil engineering, and then my rest are just going to be architecture. And then I got chosen, I got picked as a civil engineer. So I'm not so sure if it was a light bulb moment, but 
I actually really liked my journey as well. Oh, that is that is very nice. Did you have did you have any um architects that you were looking to at that particular moment or till to date? Because I think with architecture you had a very nice beginning to that. I actually don't thinking about it now. Yeah. Um I'm not so sure why I really I think it's just yeah what I told you before it wasn't really about somebody that I could I saw I think it was the prospect of who I can be. Yeah. Something like that. Mm. Yeah, and I think that also came from growing up around my grandfather as well because he made me he made sure that I I was able to always figure out that I could be much more than who I am. So I think it was that more rather than knowing, you know, what architect I I actually like. However, I have a couple now that I actually like ever yeah. since I I you know I'm in this field now. Can you share some few names that you like? Oh wow, uh, that's a really good um, question because I can't remember their names. Right. Okay, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to share um, their names on Twitter. But in, for for the purpose of this um, of this conversation, yeah, one of them is is uh, from. Benin, I think, yeah, he's from Benin. He he just won um, an architect medal award. I think it, it's one among those very famous awards. I can't remember what his name is. Yes, um, yes, he has a very difficult yeah. name as well. I remember exactly. seeing him. Exactly, something bizarre. I don't know, but he's he's fantastic when it comes to utilization of African materials and and ventil and natural ventilation specifically. And you know, bu- he builds you know public schools, public institutions, you know, for the people, for his people, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I, I if I remember his name, I'll definitely. I, I know I, I can I can get it somewhere, so I'll definitely do that. Yeah. But also the other one is um, is it Zara or Zaha? She's Australian. Zaha. She, she was part. Yes, Zaha exactly. Did. Yes, Zaha did. Yeah. So those the late those Zaha are pretty. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So let's those say for ex- let's say for example for this particular Benin um, architect, right? That you are referring yeah. to. I wanted to know uh, your thinking because we talk quite sometimes about structure, functionality, and stuff like that. How important is it for you as an, eng- an engineer to, for example, have an architect that designed things from uh, the context of the place that they are living in? I think we need architects everywhere, really. I think their work is really overseen most of the times and their importance very undervalued, um, I think, most of the times. And maybe this is because, you know, the architects, the architect profession is, is pretty much based on just structures, which is something that I think should evolve, yeah. not only structures in, 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 in other places as well, i.e. maybe dams or just like um, transportation infrastructures. Or sometimes it could just be hats, literally, like African hats as well. Mm. It could be anything, you know. Um, I think their profession sort of like needs to evolve in that direction. Some of them do it, you know, by the side, but they're not supposed to, you know, professionally you know, sort of like say that they have done it or professionally be credited for it, you know, things like that. So I think that's very sad. But I think the, the um, uh, how, how's, what's the correct word to use? Sort of like they, they, need, they need to figure out what is or how is the, is the, is the, is the way for them when it comes to um, being involved. I think something like that, because it's, it's most of them are, are involved in, in pretty high end projects only or sometimes you know it's it's very rare to be in you know in the presence of an architect in in local projects that's what i'm that's what i'm saying yeah right? like most of them are just involved in in very very high-end projects and i think maybe that should be should be corrected somehow or maybe not corrected but just evolved 
in mm. in from the bigger projects to the local projects as well because I I pretty much respect their their profession. I think they are the kind of people that study so much, not only study so much, but invest so much of their energy into perfecting their craft. Yeah. And then people rarely do get what they do. You get it? Like people admire it, you know, like Zaha, for example, people really admire what she did, but you know, the considerations that she's made to be, to, to do what she's, what she did are very much undervalued or, you know, they, there's not, there's not so much light that is shed into that area as much as it is to the engineering I mean, profession in general. And this is not to talk about of my own profession, but I'm saying there could be more that could be done with architects rather than engineers. That's, that's pretty um, deep. And uh, I think I, I really like how you you break down your concepts. They might be very small things um, to another eye, but you have a very professional approach to um, breaking these concepts. And now I want us to talk about the civil engineering side, but specifically you referring to yourself as a structural engineer, because I think um, there is a certain way that we mix these terms. And I want you to give clarity to my listeners today. What are the differences between a structural engineer and a civil engineer? Or is it like, how do we, how do we talk about these things? Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I like that um, this conversation has become a very um, common conversation now. Not as it should be. Of course, the, it should be more. But I'm saying I like that I'm I'm being able to put to be put into spaces that I can explain my 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 profession better now. Yeah. Um, and it's because also for me that it it had been very confusing. Also, you know, even for me. So. First and foremost, I'd like people to understand that, you know, civil engineering is, is about the civilized world. That's it, really. It's, it's about um, propelling civilization. We are civilized as we are. We have manners now. We have, you know, places to, you know, comfort ourselves and to sleep and to, you know, all, the, do all these things when, because of civilization. And, and civilization can only be propelled, I mean, propelled in that way through civil engineers. Yeah. So that's really all it is to civil engineering, you know, whatever it is, but the idea is just civilization and, 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 and prospects or um, concepts like urbanization are, are, are the better things or are the bigger things that actually propel that concept, you know, the civilization concept, you yeah. know? So um, to figure out really now what civil engineering is, um, civil engineering has or could have, okay, what I'm going to do is that I'm, I'm not going to put a, a a number first, what I'm going to do is just explain a couple of, of, of things of specialization that you could be yeah. when you are a civil engineer. Mm. And then we're going to figure out how many they are. So um, one, of, one of the major things that you could be, one of the major specialization when somebody tells you they're a civil engineer mm. um, is the structural civil engineer. And yeah. when I say structural civil engineer, that person deals with both, you know, structures and non-structures. The, the, the word structural is just to um, to basically it means um, it means uh, how should I put this? It's it like a placeholder for yeah it, yeah that's it really it it just means something materials that have been put together mm. to hold something they yeah. have the ability exactly they have the ability to hold something yeah. at, a, at a specific load mm. that's it that's mm. why they say structure but structure engineers also work in non structure. Um, um, elements or members or whatever it is, and then structure meaning that 
it doesn't have that ability to hold things. However, they, they can shed some yeah. light. They can be places where people can stay. They can be, you know, that's also the reason as to why Nyumbas Audongo, they're fine for Kasaiti because not, not that they're not, you know, um, buildings themselves, but, you know, they're just non-structural buildings. They're not eligible to sort of like hold more than they should hold, you know? Yeah. So structure engineers are, are responsible for that. Residential places, non-residential places, commercial places, you know, high-raised buildings, low-raised buildings, but buildings in general, that's that's the structure um, engineer. And they work in two also um, departments as well, I mean, specializations as well, which they, they work as designers, but they also work as um, materials engineer and, you know, engineers. I'll explain that further um, just in a bit. So structure engineers, that's it. And then there is transportation engineers. Transportation engineers are the road engineers. They are supervising, you know, designing, people that are doing geometric design, pavement design. All these people are transportation engineers. Yeah. Um, and then we go to water, water resource engineers. There are people that, um, in Swahili, uh, I could say Majitaka, Majisafi, when I say yeah, you know, sort of like to build machine when I'm naio, um, to build dams very specifically, um, you know, yeah, culvert and things like that. These are water resources engineers. These are engineers that basically deal with water resources, any any structures that deal with water. With water. And then they there are civil engineers as well that deal with soil's ability to carry whatever structure is there. So these are geotechnical engineers. They just figure out um, if the foundation is stable, if the soil here needs some, you know, sort of like um, modifications of some kind, you know, or not, should we cut and fill, should we, all these things, these these are the geotechnical people. It's, It's called geotechnical because of, you know, the, the basically geography, basically soils and things like that, right? Yeah. And then they are civil engineers that are just project managers because cross-cutting all these special specializations that I've told you, mm. there are people that just oversee, you know, figure out uh, what project to do at what time, what activity to do at what time, according to the money that is being put into the project and things like that. You know, what time are we going to finish? What are the maintenance things that we're going to have to do? All these are, are things that sort of like project managers need to do. And these people also study civil engineering in Kabuta. You yeah. know, so it's it basically a part and parcel of, of their profession as well. So I think I've mentioned, what, five, right? And so, for, you know, talking about myself, I'm, I'm under structures um, engineering, yeah. but I'm under the materials structures engineering. That's what I said come to talk about it later on it's because i wanted to other people to figure out that they are structural engineers as well that do, cannot design or do not design at all which is this is me here yeah. um what we do though is figure out materials is just know how materials react how they act what is their durability stance what are their mechanical sort of like ability where can they be used at what time you know should we be cast something what can we put into this material to be able to be structurally sound you know if a, if a, if a structure is that is near the ocean or is very far from the ocean yeah. or is it an environmental climatic condition that deals with you know certain kind is it snowy is it not snowy those also are structures engineers in a way but they are materials engineers in in general so that's who i am oh that's quite a thing um i think it's very broad so you also deal with like taking samples to labs and see how they react over time with, uh, for example, when you, bu- you build them, 
the climatic conditions, how they might affect a certain material for building purposes. Is that the thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's my day-to-day job. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. So over the last week, I know you had a class. You mentioned you, that you were talking about, or you had a lecture about um, pre-stressed concrete. And um, <laughs> I, I knew you said like you wanted everyone to be blasted with that particular concept. So I want to give you a chance to just talk about pre-stressed oh concrete <laughs> in a very in a very shallow and um, straight way, so that we can understand. Because you said in the class, uh, students were told to ask questions, and they really didn't yeah. know what to ask. So Absolutely. I was. Very, very curious about that particular topic. What exactly is this type of concrete? <laughs> okay, um, so to, to the listeners first, concrete is just a mixture of aggregates, water, and cement. Yeah. Um, it could be a lot more. It could be a lot more. I don't get, you know, but I'm saying mainly um, concrete consists of aggregates, water, and cement. And um, when I mentioned pre-stressed, for the people that are just, you know, new to this concept, um, to stress something is to just put it under a very big load and let it stay there and see um, what other load it can take. I mean, to how much basically it can actually take. Yeah. So to pre-stress something is to put it under stress before you load it or to put it at, under very high tensions, you know, um, before you say, before you, you, you let it go. And then you let it, you see how it reacts in its environment and things like that. Right. Yeah. So, I mentioned that very specifically um, uh, because for me, pre-stressed concrete as a subject was a, was a very new thing, right? Um, when we take civil engineering in, in undergrad, you only get to study pre-stressed when you're in fourth year. You know, by then you're thinking to yourself, yo, what else can I be taught? You know, like, I'm pretty good. Like, I've got the civil engineering is for me and I'm done, right? Oh, you're tired. Oh, you're completely tired and you just want to finish the courses. <laughs> Exhausted, That's actually. True. Absolutely. You're pretty much exhausted. And then they introduced to you a pre-stressed concrete. You know, it's, it was just a shock really, you know? However, one of the things that for me that came out uh, from that um, course is that I I got to get my favorite teacher uh, until this moment. Mm. And I think it's just because of the way um, he taught, but also the way he, his ideology ideologies are in general. So it sort of like helped me figure out that this is the person I want to work with. And this is the person that, you know, sort of like, um, I can relate to a lot. Mm. So about pre-stressed concrete for, you know, for people, just like in, in layman terms, um, mm, where should I start? Well, my God. So as I mentioned, you pre-stress it before you pre-tension it before. So ideally this is like a very big bulk of concrete. Uh Uh-huh. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, place also to start that concrete. It's also the reason why my tweet was about, I, I started with saying, Concrete is very strong in compression, but then it's very weak in tension. Right? Yes, I remember that. Right? And I'm sorry for being for being very technical here for some of the listeners that these are like really technical words. But the idea is that if you put together this mixture of cement, water, and aggregates, yeah, it's it's a very hard mixture to break. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very also hard mixture to influence you know you can put it under whatever climatic condition and it will give you a lifespan of a really long time you know yeah so what happened with pre-stressed concrete is that it got to a point where building concrete continuously wasn't economical 
Okay. Um, i.e. building, let's say, very long span bridges, bridges that are about 20 meter and above all the way to like 100 meters or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. This is just this, this is the span and the length. Mm-hmm. So it got to a point where they had to break it, break it down. So let's say build only five meter width and like, I don't know, um, five meter width to another maybe two meter length or I mean, sorry, five meter length into two meter width, something like that, something smaller because these smaller, you know, sort of like elements were more economical when it came to making them, when it came to transporting them, when it came to, you know, the the material itself and how it, and how it reacts and on on like the load that it's being subjected to and things like that. Right. So pre-stressed idea um, really helped figure out solution towards making members that could be placed together and they can work really well, something like that, right? And so that's why nowadays you get bridges even, you know, across oceans Mm. that are built with like pre-stressed members, you know? Okay, so that is the concept that is applied um, there. Exactly, exactly. And and the the technical, I mean, idea for pre-stressing is just you put the steel bars in it inside the concrete because the steel bars are the ones that give tension to the whole concrete member, right? Yeah. So you put these members and then you sort of like, like, you know, on both sides. Hmm. And then there's sort of like tendons in there that sort of like help when you, you, they go back with that sort of like, you know, energy and sort of like that um, stress. And then, you put you 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 put the you pour the concrete now and then it's stuck. Oh, you know? oh. So, so in the process uh, you and then exactly. you put in the concrete and then when they come back, they come back with that particular force and then they form a shape around they stay like that. That exactly. uh, that concrete that you had put over there in, in the first place. Yes, exactly. Mm. So quite, quite an interesting idea, process. <laughs> it actually is. It's it's a really fascinating process to see when it actually is happening itself. Yeah. So the idea is just to make sure that that stress that the concrete has, you know, developed stays mm. for a longer time and a longer period. Yeah. You know. Mm. So I hope I, I tried to explain a bit. Yes, I think we, you have done, and I think at that particular point we're just going to move slightly away completely from engineering. Yay! And then I want to talk about girls and STEM. I know you are a very, very big advocate of that. So I I wanted to know, like, I think we talk about these concepts every now and then, but I think maybe there is a certain point that there's a disconnect, you know, um, it feels, it reaches a point where it feels like, oh, this is just talk, you know, we are used to this thing. We are used to mentioning girls and STEM, but what exactly Mm. are people doing on the ground? What exactly should people do on the ground to make sure that, girls in STEM becomes a thing, you know, it is alive and it is something that they can practice. So how, how do we do that as a society, specifically here, for example, in Tanzania? Oh, wow. This is a very big question. You don't want to know how big this question is. We can um, just break it into some small, small parts <laughs> if we can. Yeah, so I'm gonna very. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to be very brief. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can be able to, but I'm just gonna try. Um, gender inclusivity or women in STEM, you know, um, idea. As as broad as it is, right? It just comes back to, um, how should I put this? This the how the how the society is built on yeah. and and the 
and the ideas of which we take we hold dear, you know, as a society. Um, for example, one of the things I, I mentioned very early on when we were talking is that for me, my grandfather always made me feel like, you know, he he enforced the idea that I could be anything, yeah, and literally do anything, you know. Um, and that's very rare when it comes to the African um, setting, you know, in general, especially when you are you are a woman, when you are a female. Yeah. Um, and maybe if I should, if 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 this is we explain more onto that point is that as women we we already grow up with very different expectations from men, you know. And I, I agree, you know, it's not that we can change that, but the idea is to figure out where we can blend in or at what point we can both live harmoniously together with with lack of all these expectations, you know, because. To have expectations and to have responsibilities is something completely different, you know. Yeah. So um, we we all the African society or setting is set up like that that um, the female has has so much expectations on her shoulders already to fulfill who she is and what she can do for the society more rather than what she wants to do for herself. Yeah. So I, I, I always felt like the women in STEM conversation truly is about being able for uh, being able um, to see somebody else that could be, or, you know, can, can identify, can, can be a, a sort of like a landmark for who you can be as well. Yeah. You know, the idea is to show other women or other young girls that um, there's another fellow young engineer that is a woman and can do work, you know, despite all the other expectations that they are, it's, is placed on them. So as a society, just to sort of like answer your question, as a society, I feel like we both have the responsibilities to cut down on these expectations when it, when it comes to a, a female and when it comes to a male as well. Because not that we are leaving them behind. The idea is to just say that we have very different expectations and most of our expectations for us women hold us down, you know, and, and, and by down, I just mean they hold us towards things that we want to and things that we could be potential. Yeah. So I think we can start with just conversations like, like this one that we have right now, but also we could go just further into saying to ourselves, okay, um, who is around me? Who is in my society? Who is in my community? And are there young girls here? And what can I do? Or how can I help when it comes to the, to your mindset? And what are you thinking you know, I could sort of like help you, you know, towards because not to diminish or not to tarnish the name of expectations, especially African expectations. But um, I think we just need to revisit it in a more, you know, benefit of the doubt sort of like mindset, right? Like people could be anything and people could be anything that's sort of like they want to be. So women in STEM um, conversation um, is more of a, of a perspective, really, I think, rather than what could be, I don't know, something, maybe if you, I'm not so sure if you get me, but I think it's just all in our mindsets. And if we are, if we, if we, if we gather more um, perspectives or more people that look like us, yeah. I think that's going to change a lot because uh, I'm not so sure if it's an actual word, but meninism or um, patriarchy, put it that way, was also built like that. Yeah. Um, it was, it was about you know, just fallacies and, 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 you know, just expectations and things like that, that we have built into the society until people figured out that this is the only way of living, you know? So I think that also could, could, could work when it comes to, you know, the female quote unquote empowerment or I don't know, 
any other word that we can use. So um, I, I also don't, I mean, just to, from that sort of like explanation as well, I also don't, um, don't diminish the fact that women in STEM specifically are very few, you yeah. know, and also, I mean, and we remain that way, no matter how many, <laughs> how many things or how many events or how many empowerment, you know, programs that we have, it's always under the 20% of, you know, of the bigger cake of things. So no matter where you are, really, you know, if you, if, for example, in Tanzania, if you look at ERB registered engineers, we are less than 10% women. Um, and, and those are just like, you know, those are the, the general words because some of them aren't even practicing, you know? Yeah. And then if you look at our classes, or in throughout the whole classes where we were like 10% or no, 18% yes, we're, we're females, so under 20 as well. When I went to my master's as well, same thing, the women, we are like, I don't know, four out of like 20. So the, the statistics really never change if I, if, I, if I put it that way. And maybe in some professions it does, but I think that alone says a lot about how, how much we need to put or, you know, I don't know, like we need more, not more efforts, but different efforts also, maybe something like that. That's that's the beginning. I think this topic is huge. That was the end of the part one of my conversation with Kemi because I can't really keep the podcast more than 30 minutes. We talked for an hour. So there is a part two to this particular conversation. Just go to the place that you listen to this one and you will be able to see the part two.